This morning we share in a gospel reading from the Gospel of John. It's chapter 1, verses 43 through 51, and it is the passage that I alluded to in the children's sermon, where Jesus calls Philip and then Nathaniel to be his disciples. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip said to him, now Philip was from Bethsaida, a city, the city of Peter and Andrew. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This morning is the second Sunday of Epiphany, and if you remember last week, Haven talked a little bit about the season of Epiphany as that time that exists between Christmas and Lent and the the, the run-up to Easter. How we fill the time on the calendar is we call it Epiphany. But what's more important is how we fill this time between Christmas and Easter in our hearts and lives. After the birth of Jesus, we take time to realize his importance in our lives. And then beginning with Lent, we start working our way to Holy Week and the cross and the resurrection. But how we spend this time says a bit about who we are, a lot about who we are, maybe. And hopefully, we can mark this time as a time of seeking new understanding, new epiphanies. So, it's important in an overarching, in a season like this, that we understand and embrace an overarching theme with appreciation, so that we can connect the birth of Jesus to his resurrection which will come and and develop a deep understanding of our faith and, and develop an understanding why those are important seasons. Rather, those are important times and not just see them as, you know, those two times a year when we go to church, which clearly you don't see them as just that. But there are many 
who consider themselves Christian, who call themselves Christian, who call themselves faithful people, who really only see the purpose in coming during the high seasons. And for them, they, they miss growing a deep faith. They are, like we would consider sports fans, uh, fair-weather Christians. Now, in sports, there are those fair-weather fans, right? You know the ones who wear their t-shirt when their team wins and hide their t-shirt in the back when their team loses. You remember about 10 years ago, you would drive around Raleigh and you couldn't find an SUV that didn't have a Carolina Hurricanes flag wagging off the back of it, right? Oh, 11, 12 years ago, they won the Stanley Cup. They were the hottest ticket in town, and, and, and our hurricanes have struggled for the last few years. I suspect those t-shirts and those flags are about to come back out with a new owner and a team that's playing well and a little Finnish kid with the last name Aho. You get an Aho in and things go well, right? It's common, though, in sports to be a fair-weather fan It's easy when it comes to faith and church to be a fair-weather Christian, but the season of epiphany draws us into something else. It draws us into a depth of faith that helps us to realize that having faith is not just about the big events. Yes, it's important to make time for the, the big days, the special activities, It's important to know how to pray in times of deep distress and struggle. But the way we know what to say is by developing a depth of faith during seasons like this one of Epiphany. The way we develop a faith that's interesting, a faith that allows us to struggle and not have all the answers, a faith that doesn't settle for simple stories is to see the way that these little epiphanies come about and see the ways that God works from all kinds of spaces and places. So this season, like spring training, like following politics during non-election cycles, like, like the winter work that happens in those NASCAR shops, out in the western part of our state, these days allow us to develop, to develop a depth in our faith so that what happens in between seasons helps us appreciate the big championships even more. The big Sundays are even sweeter. The birth of Jesus is not just another day on the calendar and the resurrection from the dead is not just a story that Christians tell, but it's something that's real and powerful about our faith. And it's in this season that we read about the epiphanies of others. Today we get to hear two, one of Philip's and one of Nathaniel's. We read this story from John where Jesus reveals himself to two new disciples. The realization of Nathanael is kind of the remarkable one, actually, and the one we'll spend more time talking about. 
But Philip's epiphany comes first. Jesus calls Philip. Philip sees. Philip has this epiphany that, yes, Jesus is the Christ, the one we've been waiting for. This guy, the son of Joseph from Nazareth, is the real deal. Philip is convinced, decides he doesn't want to be a fair-weather fan of Jesus, and so he starts telling people about what he sees. He goes to Nathaniel. Nathaniel is skeptical. What we know about Nathaniel is he's actually kind of a negative guy. He's a skeptic who does tell it like he sees it, even when he's harsh and even when he's wrong. So when Philip brings up Jesus of Nazareth, Nathaniel expresses his cynicism. And before we know that he and Jesus had had an interaction, well, he's just wondering if Philip is right about this Son of God. But Jesus had seen Nathaniel underneath a fig tree. We don't really know what this is all about, but when he finally faces Jesus and Jesus brings this up to him, he is convinced. Surely you are the Son of God. And there is so much we don't know, and that's fine. But what we do know is, like in our own lives, sometimes seeing Jesus and and coming to a knowledge and a realization about who he is is an instant kind of thing. Sometimes we come to faith instantly. Oh sure, maybe others have been sowing seeds and tending tending the field of our soul for a while. But for us, it's a a realization that happens immediately. Jesus and Nathaniel go back and forth about why he believes, but what we see is Nathaniel ends up with the best kind of epiphany, an instant one that will beget more and more and more revelations. Jesus finished that passage with, very truly I tell you, you're not just going to know that I'm the Son of God, but you are going to see heaven opened up and the angels of God ascending and descending with the Son of Man. From this interaction we see some epiphanies are instant, but we also see that the best epiphanies the most important revelations and the most significant experiences that we have are the ones that are not just singular experiences, but are the kind that open up our hearts and minds and open doors to other, further, later experiences. A singular epiphany is great. But an epiphany that provides more knowledge, more experience, that gives way to more epiphanies. I think that's what we are seeking to work on in our relationships, in our lives, and with our faith, isn't it? Because ultimately what we know about faith in life is not just that Jesus revealed to himself once. And so now we show up here as often as we can. What we know about Jesus is after we've acknowledged who he is, 
When we come back over and over and over again, we see heaven opened up. We learn more. This epiphany that Nathaniel had, Jesus was ready to open him up to more through it. And hopefully that's the kind of epiphany we have all had too. Now there is a line that jumps out in this passage this week, especially this week. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? I suppose had I written this sermon months ago, I would have just skimmed right over that abrasive question and not really thought about it. But this week it is hard to ignore. I hope you'll trust me though when you say that, when I tell you that the importance of this question ultimately doesn't have anything to do with what we've seen in the news or what we've heard people say. Actually, the importance of this question lies in the reality that we must be open to God being at work from unexpected places. See, Nazareth was a small town. Nazareth was an outpost, a wide spot in the road. Nazareth was not a destination. I read a little bit about Nazareth, and some, some have thought maybe, maybe there were 1,500 people who lived in Nazareth, but even those who thought that have revised it. Nazareth was probably a town of about, oh, less than 500 people. They lived in earthen huts that they called homes. It was not a city. There was no services. The trash was kind of just left out in the street. Nazareth was a, a, a place of, of little importance, little influence, and very little affluence. Nazareth was a place that most people passed through when they were on the road in Galilee. This, I think, I think we all can see, is why we'll call him negative Nathaniel, Skeptical as he was, cynical, who just spouted off everything that came to him. We're like that sometimes. We know people like that sometimes. Said the Messiah is not coming from Nazareth. He's of the family of David. He couldn't see it initially. But what we quickly learn is that when it comes to how God works, who God uses, and what's really important, what we repeatedly find, is that it's, it's not the important people from the significant places that God always chooses to bring about joy, hope, possibility, redemption. Rather, it's the humble who are willing that God uses. George Mario Bergoglio was born in a middle-class neighborhood in Buenos Aires, Argentina. And most of you don't know who that is until I tell you that we call him Pope Francis now. William Franklin Graham Jr. was born on a dairy farm outside of Charlotte long before Charlotte was Charlotte. We call him Billy Graham. 
Those are just two faithful Christians I bring up of countless others. Countless examples of how when we are looking, what we see is God uses people and instances and places and situations and sometimes the relationships we would least expect to do the most impactful work. So when we ask the question, can anything good come out of Nazareth, we're not being thoughtful or insightful or right. Like Nathaniel, cynical, closed-minded. And we limit what it is God can do in us, with us, and through us. And if we're skeptical about that, We're skeptical about where the Savior of the world might come from. Then we need to rely on having epiphanies as quickly as he did. So that we can see that God works in unlikely ways. And if God didn't work in unlikely ways, then why would he have been born to a virgin in a stable? Why would he have gotten lost in the temple at 12 years old? If God didn't work in unlikely ways, why would he have started with a miracle at a wedding banquet turning water into wine? If God didn't work in unlikely ways, why would he have recruited a bunch of fishermen to be his disciples? Why would he he have given us bread and cup to remember him by, two of the most common things? And why would he have died on a cross if God didn't work in unlikely ways? If God wanted to use more conventional ways, I'm sure God could have done it. But God works from the margins, from the -the out-of-the-way places, from the surprising instances, and oftentimes in the ways that we would least expect. And every single one of us should say, thanks be to God for that. Because when the Savior of the world comes from Nazareth, it means God will even... Work through us from a humble town like Oxford, a town that we love, a town that we call home, but a town that other people can't even find on the map. Epiphany is a time when we see things anew. When we take time between Christmas and Lent to to allow God to work, we, like Nathaniel, get to see greater things. We know Jesus' birth is not the only thing, it's just the first thing. And we know that resurrection is not the last thing, it's the first new beginning. And so during this season, between these two times, we seek greater things, like those that are promised to Nathaniel in this passage. And so we're minded, when God brings Jesus from Nazareth, it's an indication that God works from the edges, from the far out places, literally and metaphorically. Jesus didn't have the right schools, the right training, or the right town. But when Jesus was revealed to those, like he was to Nathaniel, there was no turning back. And when Jesus is revealed to us, we know it. We know it, and it draws us in on days beyond just Christmas 
and Easter. Therefore, the call for us who want to see something greater is to be open to how God would work. Be open to the strange places and unlikely people that God might speak to us through. Be willing to allow God to change our hearts quickly as Nathaniel was. And ultimately, believe that seeing God work through an epiphany is not just a one-time thing, but that the best epiphanies open us up to new instances of experiencing God's love and grace and power and revelation. To do this, it takes being together. It takes gathering. It takes cultivating faithfulness. It takes not being fair-weather Christians, but figuring out how to be faithful every day and opening ourselves up to how God would work in and with and through us, especially between big seasons. Because these days are the days when we need the Lord most, aren't they? But they're also the days that the Lord promises to come and meet us and provide epiphanies for us as well. I pray that the Lord will reveal himself to each of us in this day, for this day, and in each day ahead, and that the epiphanies we experience, little and big, would be ones that would open us up to more and more ways that God is at work around us. Will you pray with me? Gracious, loving, and holy God, we ask you to be with us. Help us to hear your word through these words. Help us to see ourselves in these characters. Help us to see your grace and your redemption in these stories. Lord, as Philip experienced an epiphany and and Nathaniel experienced his epiphany and when they realized who you were, and it was real to them, so too may we see and realize that. And may we have the confidence of faith knowing that when we see you, it's not just a one-time thing, but that because of you, we see greater things. And so, Lord, help us to commit ourselves to you today, tune our hearts and our lives and ourselves to seeing greater things because of your love in us and with us. These, O O Lord, are the prayers of our heart. We offer them in the name of our Savior, Jesus, our Lord, today. Amen.